From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you in to Teal the Podcast. All right, let's get to Tony. I don't uh, want to talk about Tony. All right, let's move on. Let's, still, let's talk about Champ Bailey. No, let's, it uh, still hurts. That's why I don't want to talk about it. it was, Cole, it was painful. It was tough. I was in the uh, hotel room, um, and it, maybe most people know about the process, but, but you're, you know, Saturday morning you wake up and you're just waiting for that knock at the door. And Tony got down once again to the, to the top 15 guys, and there's two ways this day can end up. If you get a phone call, uh, it's a representative from the Pro Football Hall of Fame saying, sorry, it's not going to work. Um, so you don't want the phone to ring. What you want is you want that knock at the door, mm-hmm. and that's what Tony was hoping for. Um, we uh, he had some a couple things in the morning, and, and uh, so he he texted me, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I said, "I'm not doing anything. I'll be right down." And so we sat in in his hotel room for three hours, just sitting there staring at the clock. Starting at what time, roughly? Oh gosh, I think he. I got down there at noon. And, so so uh, uh, it wasn't right as the selectors gathered. But while they're in the room, you don't want to be somewhere else in case they finish earlier than expected. And that's exactly what happened because there were a couple presentations that went awfully quick. Ed yeah. Reeds and Tony like, Gonzalez. Yeah. Which, as you would imagine. Yeah. And you know. I think the presenter for Tony Gonzalez said, hey, Tony Gonzalez, it's all I got. You know, then he sits <laughs> down. You know, a, a presentation that could go, you know, five minutes was about five seconds. Because yeah. he's a first ballot guy. Everybody, a everybody knows it. Ed, yeah. Ed Reed was no different. So... Everything happened a little quicker, and that's one of the things that Tony texted me. He says, hey, things are happening a little quick. Um, we were told to be ready by 3 o'clock. But from noon till about 2.30, Tony and I were just sitting there, and I was nervous. It was gut-wrenching, and I can't imagine what Tony was feeling because um, obviously there was, you know, year one, uh, he was disappointed. But, you know, and he would tell you he didn't quite expect to get in and the I first think, time. And I think in the first year, so... They discuss the 15 finalists in the room. Yes. The first year, he was among the 15, but I don't think got down to the, to, to the first cut to 10. I agree with that. I, right. think, I think you're right. Last year, he did. He did. Uh, from all reports. Um, this year, again, he did. So they cut right, first ballot, get him down to, to, to 10. Yep. And now you're figuring out where, where that line's going to be drawn, you know, who's going to be on which side of that, of that top five. And this year on Twitter, and I don't know if they broadcasted every presentation, but I saw Sam's presentation yeah. on there. And This is uh, the first time I think they've done that. I think you're Because right. it has been sort of the, you know, uh, sanctum sanctorum uh, going into, you know, that, that room. It's been so secretive and such a closed thing. And so they, they recorded and tweeted out, I don't know, 40 seconds Right. of the presentation from several different guys, and that was one uh, yes. that, that they put out there, which I thought was, was cool to see. The room it wasn't configured the way I envisioned it for some reason. It looked like it was, it was tables around the edge yep. with a big open area in the middle. I, I was thinking, I, I don't know why I never asked Sam this, I was thinking that the room would be uh, some, you know, however many tables in two or three rows, and then somebody up front at an administrative table and a podium where people would go up and make their presentation that way. 
not the, you stood up at your seat at your it, spot yeah and and there it is yeah and uh, I thought the same thing actually I, I thought you know if if you're gonna present um, for the Hall of Fame wouldn't you have a podium wouldn't you love the opportunity to have maybe a PowerPoint or something where you've where you get up and you state the case for the player yeah. and stuff you just kind of you got your notes. No you stand up where you're it, at, yeah. and you, you talk. For Here's five the microphone. Minutes. Here's the microphone. Sam, you're up, and I've heard Sam does has done a very good job, and um, um, but I, you know that's that's kind of how they do things, and that's how they've done things for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, especially locally, because you know Tony has been disappointed three times. You know, there's a lot of talk here about, hey, can we change this up? How they vote? You know, just obviously, the pe- a lot of people think they need to rework things, but they've got a system. That's how it does. That's how it's done. Sometimes it helps you. Sometimes it hurts you. And listen, I think, you know, Tony's going to get it at some point, um, but I think we all expected it. I know Tony did. I did. And and uh, what's funny is I, 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 uh, I think I got up there, and Tony and I went to dinner on Wednesday night. And I told him, I said, listen, I, I feel different than I did last year. I said, my gut tells me you're in. And, uh, and Tony Last felt, year, your gut said no. My gut, uh, I, I don't think or I knew enough. tell you yes, maybe. And uh, uh, I, said, I said, Tony, I really feel like this is the year. And, and listen, not that, it, you know, my gut's always right. Obviously, it wasn't right in this situation. So uh, he actually got the call and, and, uh, and <laughs> gets off the phone. And one of the first things he says is something like, so much for your gut, Brunel. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm just, I'm an absolute wreck. And, and he had a bunch of people, family uh, in the room. And so it's just, it's just hard. The phone rang and he's on the phone and it gets silent. And it's just, it's just tough. He's going to have his moment where it's going to be great. That moment didn't come this year. And it was just, it's just really hard. So when you did your interview with Tony that uh, we put on this podcast, yep. aired on TV, Used a lot of those stories and so forth that came out of that. Um, he said he didn't want anybody around him except you know he didn't he wanted family to go away and then he just wanted you hanging out right. with him. That might have been the case, but you've got to have your family. So I, he had all his kids. So his at what point there. did was everybody? Did everybody oh, everyone was in the room. They said be ready at three o'clock because you can get the knock at three o five. You can get a phone call. Well, what happened was is that you know we get to about. Oh, it's about 3.40, 3.45. And you would think that, you know, phone calls are pretty quick. And you're looking at Twitter, so you know you're looking at Twitter, what, you know what's out there. What's going on. You see on Twitter, the final votes are in. They've decided. You see a picture of, of David Baker getting the list. And so, you know, about half hour, 45 minutes goes by. And you're thinking, okay, surely, you know, they're going to start with the guys that aren't in. How long does it take to make, you know... A quick phone call mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, it's not ten this phone year. calls." Yeah. So as time went on, we felt better and better and better about it because it was it was about forty five minutes in, and then the phone rings. I'm like, golly, golly. but but uh, we uh, we ever all felt very good about it, but it just didn't happen. And I I told Tony and I said, "Listen, it, this hurts right now. It's going to sting for for a while. It's going to hurt for a while. It probably still hurts. You know, I'm sure he's real disappointed." But at some point, he's going to get in, and when it and when he does, it's it's going to be perfect, you know. All the years of waiting, and listen, some guys wait seven, eight years. Yeah, that's Jerry some Kramer guy, waited for an eternity. And some guys, I mean, John Lynch has been, I think, he's seven or eight years in a row now, and mm-hmm. and uh, 
Um, so it, it's it's good problem to have. It is gut wrenching and it's hard, but his moment's going to come, and when it comes, it'll be perfect. A quick word on the guys who did get in. Anybody surprised you that we mentioned Champ uh, Bailey got in? That didn't. That wasn't a huge surprise to me. Right. Um, I agree. Uh, Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, no brainers. Yep. I thought Champ was the third pick there, as far as that was concerned. Uh, the other two who got in were Kevin Mawai, yep. who uh, you played with. I didn't play in with New York. Kevin. No, he's not. He was no, he in Tennessee at that point. Kevin. Uh, and um, and uh, Ty, Ty, and Law. Ty Law, who again, I, both of those guys are were terrific players and deserving. Deserving, deserving of the Hall of Fame. I was surprised that those two got picked ahead of Tony. Um, I agree with that because I, the the word was is that there's a logjam of linemen in here. Steve Hutchinson, mm-hmm. um, Alan, Fanica. Alan Fanica, Kevin, last year Joe, Joe Jacoby, and of course Tony. Um, personally, this is how I, this, I, I was disappointed in this. Kevin Mulway was a very, very good player. Eight Pro Bowls. You know, all, all this stuff played a long time. and uh, But this is the Hall of Fame. This is about greatness. And I'm not saying Kevin Mulway wasn't great. He had an incredible career. But if you're looking at greatness, best at their position mm-hmm. for the time that they played, uh, I think I think Tony's the guy. Tony is the guy. Um, other voters obviously see it different. I think they look at longevity. I think Pro Bowls matter to them. Being all pro um, matters to him. Obviously, Gary Myers being one of those guys that has said, "Listen, I you know, I love Tony, but Kevin did this, 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 this," and and um, um, I would disagree with that. And obviously, we're we're a little we're uh, kind of biased on that. But um, I, I'm gonna be honest. So that one that one surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Ty Law probably surprised me a little bit more. Really good player. Played against Ty. Yeah. And uh, deserving of the Hall of Fame too. But I didn't see any. You know, I wouldn't have had any problem with, with uh, two linemen going in there. Right. Kevin being one of them and Tony being the other. If I was going to rank the linemen who are who were up that you mentioned, those two guards, Mawai and, and Tony, um, I think Mawai would have been fourth on my list. That was what kind of surprised me. I mean, those are all very good players. Yes. Um, Alan Fanica was tremendous. Uh, from from the word go, tremendous as a guard. Steve Hutchinson, very very good, and had a sustained career. Um, I had to put Tony on top in terms of at his best. Yep. Again, if you want, we, we'll the, the conversation has been had about length of career, and I think Sam's done a very good job of putting some historical context to Charles that. Davis, yeah, Stevenson, right. the other guys that yep. didn't play as as long. Yep. I get it. Yep. Uh, so if if. If tenure or length of career is not a factor, then um, or it doesn't eliminate Tony. I mean, I again, I we're probably going to do this all again next year. Yes, uh, he'll be there because I think he'll be a finalist. And and again, I, I, I unlike you, I thought this would be the year that he would get in. I so. did too. And and uh, what, what was um, yeah, it's 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 you know you you don't know what the voters are thinking. The hard thing on that one is. You know those voters. If you asked all forty-eight, as forty-six or something, I think like it's that, fifty. Is it so? Whatever the number is, the, yeah. all of them would say, um, "Hey, Tony was great. He was great. Best." All of them would agree with you. Yeah. But obviously, they're going to say that to everybody. How they vote could be something entirely different. Mm-hmm. What their criteria is, or they, or again, they may not. They can only choose five, right? So that's part of it too. Uh, so looking ahead to next year, you start looking at what the the field looks like. There aren't 
as many slam dunk Hall of Famers next right. year. Right. The following year, things get a little dicey with Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson and some others. So um, when you start talking about available spots for non-first ballot guys, and obviously Tony is not a first ballot guy because he's been through that process, next year I think is the best opportunity for him for a few years uh, before some of these guys start uh, uh, rolling into to, to eligibility. So yeah, we'll right. see how it all plays out. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the Jaguars and um, and the the quarterback question, which continues uh, to linger here. The most recent bit of news as we're recording this podcast is that Nick Foles uh, was offered was was his option was picked up. He bought his freedom back, two million dollars worth of freedom, and now the Eagles are deciding whether they're going to put this, the franchise tag on him. Uh, if they do. I'm not sure if that's good or bad for the Jaguars. Uh, if first, are you yay or nay on if Nick Foles should be the target for the Jaguars at quarterback this year? I think he's a target under certain parameters. Okay, what are those parameters for you? Well, I think if you if you if somehow Nick was a free agent, and you pay your money and you get him. I like that. But if he's a free agent, or excuse me, if you have to pay him. X amount of dollars and trade for him, then I think that's a lot. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's a scenario, right? If you have to give up something for him and pay him his 22, 25, whatever mm-hmm. that number is, I think that's a lot for a, for a Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles, no, I know Nick Foles has had elite moments, but is he an elite quarterback? Right. That's the question. If we got Nick Foles, would Nick Foles be um, an upgrade? Yes. I think he'd be a good addition to the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you expect Nick Foles to come in here and be a top five guy, um, a special quarterback, I don't see Nick Foles being that guy. He'll be good. He'll make good decisions. You'll win games. With the defense as it is, uh, is he the kind of guy to you that fits with what they have wanted to do the last several years in terms of ball control offense. Yes. I think he is, but are you willing to give up that much for for a not not a manager, but a but a good manager, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Nick Foles isn't going to hurt you. Nick Foles will probably win a couple games for you. Mm-hmm. Is that enough to justify what you would have to pay him and what you would have to give up? And let me put another factor to this decision-making process as we try to kind of read the tea leaves here. Everybody in that front office, from Tom Coughlin to Dave Caldwell on down, knows that because of the disastrous year the Jaguars had in 2018, there is pressure to not just be okay in 2019. They have to show that 2017 wasn't the aberration right. and need to get back or else, I think you're going to see a house cleaning. Knowing that, I think you're more likely to see some decisions that are influenced by right now. And I'm not saying that's wrong to have those decisions influenced. But does I, I completely does doesn't there have to be some right now? Because can can Doug Marone and this staff survive just okay in 2019? Right. Yeah. 
So they, so it's kind of a, listen, win now. We've got to win. So to that point, there's been a lot of talk about the Jaguars drafting a quarterback in the first round with the seventh pick. Uh, Haskins continues to be the guy who everybody's talking about right. at that spot. I saw a mock draft where Drew Locke was the selection saw the that. other day. Saw that. Mock drafts will change as often as the wind, so we'll see how it all plays out between now and April. But if you have to win now, you don't pick a quarterback in the first round. You probably don't pick a wide receiver in the first round because they don't typically make a big impact in their very first year. Right. The positions that can come in and help you where the Jaguars have need right now are offensive line. Agreed. Running back, perhaps, if depending on Agreed. how you feel about Leonard Fournette. And you can get something out of a pass rusher, too, if you want him to just rush the passer if he's elite at that point. Yep. Um, I think it's far more likely one of those positions uh, is selected in the first round and the Jaguars do something with free agency with a quarterback, whether that's Foles or whether it's Joe Flacco. Hayden Hurst, by the way, was in town the other day and talked to him about what kind of teammate Joe Flacco was. And he said, listen, if you're a Jaguars fan, you get Joe Flacco, you should be excited because he's got the great arm and he really he, he approaches things the right I like way. Hearing, I like hearing that from, from guys that, that, that are playing with him, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, my I, Foles was sort of my dream scenario, but the more I'm thinking about this, um, I feel the same way as you do in terms of how much are you going to give up for him and how much can and what will it cost you to do that. I think it's maybe more likely that Foles is the guy because of this pressure to win right now. Right. And what is it going to cost you down the road? Well, we'll worry about that sometime else. I agree. Because I, I don't agree. think Tom Coughlin is worried about the impact of what's going to happen in five years. Yeah. And I and I think when you're talking about whether you're coaching staff or front office, they're not concerned about five years down the road. They're worried about fixing it right now. I, I, I get that sense. Let me ask you this. If you're Nick Foles and you sign a big deal and you're brought in to be the guy, don't you demand that, listen, I'll come be your guy. I'll, I could be your guy for three or four years, maybe five years. But if I'm coming in, you're not using that number seven pick for a quarterback. I, Nick may not have any control, but if you intend to draft a quarterback, if I'm Nick Foles. You would might want that, but could would you, in the, in the course of negotiations, you're talking about before or after he signs, I'm talking about before he signs. All right. Yeah. So in the, in the, in the course of negotiations uh, or conversations as you, as you're going along, um, can you say that to an NFL team? Oh, absolutely. Or, and and is an NFL team going to say, you know, they can't tell you what the plan is? Right. No. Like, no. It, the the team calls the shots. I get yeah. it. But listen, I know how this works because I've been in it twice with Byron and Jason Campbell up in Washington. Mm -hmm. You draft a kid in the first round as a quarterback. As soon as things start going poorly. Looking for a reason to put him in. You're looking for a reason to put him in. Now, if you're Nick Foles or you're you know brought in to be the guy or you're the current starter, starter, you want that? I don't want it. I don't want it because, you know, you come down to Jacksonville and guess what? You start the season out in three and six and you might be playing fine, but things, you know, there's some injuries and you're, you're, you, maybe you've lost a couple games that you could have won. Pretty soon, the talk around town is, man, this Nick Foles thing isn't working out. Let's put let's put Haskins in there and see. And all of a sudden, you don't have a team anymore. Now you're getting paid a lot of money, mm -hmm. but that there is a there is a 
a push to get that first round pick in there um, as soon as possible. Now, I'm of the belief that it takes two, again, two or three years to really find out if a first round pick is going to play out. They're risky. They're 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, you just never know. You throw a kid in too early, like I, I think we did with Blaine Gabbert, you know, you can you could damage a kid. You know, you put a kid in too early. So it's a tough one, but I completely agree with you. They want to win now. And we'll and forget about down the road. Let's see if we can get to ten and six getting the playoffs, because then everything's right in the world. We'll see how it all plays out. Mark, good to have you back in town. Good to be back. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Brunell, I'm Cole Pemper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.